BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. It's uh, wow. Uh, tomorrow. Uh, well, broadly, this weekend, shall we say, is is the 11 11 weekend. Um, it is also. Uh, it's it's Louise and my 46th wedding anniversary, but it's also the the uh, celebration of the armistice after, that ended World War One, and uh, you know a pretty consequential day. Uh, we'll get into that a little later on in the program. A new theory, by the way, this just out, uh, courtesy of Jim Tur, our old friend Jim Tur. Uh, a new theory suggests the gunman we're talking about, the guy down in Texas, didn't act alone, but was assisted by. Ready. 52 senators and 298 representatives in the NRA. Yeah, when do we get to that? Okay, I'm, you know, I'm doing the show here today from, uh, from WCPT, from our Chicago affiliate, and, and very grateful for the, for the space and the time and the opportunity and everything. And, um, and normally I, I don't listen to other shows in the morning when I'm doing show prep because I just can't. I don't have the ability to. I'm, I'm doing show prep and we're doing everything else. I was listening to Stephanie Miller's show this morning, though, and it's been a, it's been not not a long while, but a while since I've heard Stephanie's show. She is the smartest woman on the radio. I I tell you, one of the smartest people on the on the radio. She's I, I was just just a brilliant show, and a lot of what they were talking about, and what I wanted to talk with you about is: Are we seeing in this Judge Roy Moore thing, in Harvey Weinstein, in? Um, Steven Seagal, I guess, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Spacey, all, all these things. Are we seeing the end of 3,000 years of patriarchy? I mean, this is, this is a notion that was put into religious law 3,000 years ago, arguably longer than that. I mean, some, some believe the Bible was written 6,000 years ago, but I, I, broad consensus is the Old Testament around 3,000, the New Testament around 2,000. And in that, in that document, essentially, women were defined as the property of men, as, as, uh, as chattel, you know, as, as property. And this continued for literally all these thousands of years, in fact, I'm guessing you could have found this kind of thing in, in the Epic of Gilgamesh from 7,000 years ago. Now, in tribal societies, there are different roles 
for the two genders. And, and frankly, in most tribal societies, there's a role of great honor for people who are gay or trans. But there's not uh, an absolute sense of this is the superior, this is the inferior. I wrote about this at some length in Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight. And it's not new and it's not a secret. The whole idea of patriarchy, the idea of defining women and girls as simply property is deeply embedded in our culture. And the, because it's, it's thousands of years old, and it has been one of the most destructive pieces of our culture ever. In fact, I think that I could build a case that the reason the world is melting down, the reason we have conflicts all over the world, the reason we're having territorial wars, the reason we're having wars over water, the reason that we're having wars, uh, you know, over resources, all of these things are the result, in my opinion, of the oppression of women. Why is that? Wait a minute. How can, how can you draw a straight line from that? Um, the, the number one way to control population is to empower women, which sounds very paternalistic and, oh, yes, so we men will give power to women. Uh, you know, women are just saying, screw that. We're going to take our own power. And good on them. But this, this, uh, and Roy Moore is the, is the classic example of this. Now he's got some Alabama state official saying, well, Mary, you know, Jesus's mother, she was a teenager. Uh, <laughs> really? This is the position you're going to take? And yet the, uh, you know, the, the politicians down in Alabama are saying, you know, this isn't going to matter. He's going to get elected, which is just bizarre beyond imagination but i think that we need to look at this in this larger context and and of course the the narrower context as well in fact i'm i i just i, I get this sense that that we are going through a major cultural shift right now and one for the better and it's not just happening in the united states by the way the uk is having all kinds of problems around um uh, touchy-feely in in Parliament and whatnot. I mean, this is just not unique to here. So, but but I, I think that there's not only an awakening happening, and that, of course, women were already woke about this and have been for 6,000 years, but, you know, the hope always was that was presented by largely men that other men would wake up and say, you know, we really should have a 50-50 society. We should do like Norway and, you know, require half the parliament and half the executives and corporations to be female. Um, and it, it's it just because life is better. Women, you know, the, 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 this hyper-competitive, hyper-masculine, testosterone-driven zeitgeist, spirit of the times, sense of mood, Gestalt. I don't know what the word is, but but this this whole male driven thing, testosterone driven thing has brought us competitive capitalism in the worst forms. And, you know, I'm I'm the first to actually defend highly regulated capitalism, because I think that there are some pieces of capitalism that work really well and we should keep. But what what we've got right now with with a kleptocratic administration, the Trump administration is 
and 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 basically the Republican Party ever since the election of Ronald Reagan. And you could argue that it's the Republican Party going way, way back. I've, I've played those clips of Harry Truman and FDR to you before. But that that what we have is a is a, 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 a we celebrate domination. We celebrate competition. We celebrate individuality, a.k.a. loneliness. We celebrate all these things. And, you know, there are many sociologists and anthropologists and whatnot who would suggest that those are, those are traits that are typically male traits that have to do with testosterone. And when you look at female traits that are associated with estrogen and, and uh, some of the bonding hormones and things like that, what you find is cooperation, collaboration, uh, you know, mutual support, community first, the whole Mother Earth idea. You know, I mean, this is so built into our culture. We pray to male gods, right? Why, why is it to be divine you have to have a penis? I don't get it. And, and you know, I, there, was a, there was actually a, a time, uh, Leonard Schlein wrote a book about this called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess. There was a time in Europe uh, back between 700 and, and, 1600, and 1500 when uh, the principal person being worshipped in churches in Europe was not Jesus, and it wasn't God, it was Mary. And those shrines to Mary, after the, after the, after the 1600s, or the late 1500s, they all got either torn down, changed, turned into Jesus memorials, all that kind of stuff. And that's a whole kind of another conversation, because it has to do with how culture, uh, you know, Schlein's theory was that if people learn to read, they, they uh, before the age of five, uh, their brains get rewired and they become basically patriarchal machines or whatever. Um, but that's, you know, so there's all kinds of pieces to this. There's the, the, there's the psychology, the sociology. The, but, but the bottom line is that, you know, it's time for men to back off. I mean, it's a long bin, right? And, and it's, I just, I'm, I'm celebrating this cultural moment. I think it's a really, really good thing for the future you know i remember the mad men culture of the of the 50s and 60s and 70s um i'm glad it's gone we'll be back we'll pick up your phone calls it's friday pick up your phone calls after this anything goes this is the tom hartman program back with your calls right after this Quite a bit to discuss here, and there's a lot going on uh, here and all around the world. Uh, uh, Trump is over in China. Uh, I, I'm willing to lay odds that uh, he's going to meet with Putin and that it's going to flip out every, you know, not every. It's, there's, there's just this general <gasps> going on in the United States about this. And uh, there are I'm, I'm more concerned about Saudi Arabia, frankly. But, but you know, that's just me. Anyway, uh, Norma. In Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, speaking of Alabama, Roy, Roy Moore is fixing to become your senator, Norma. Do I have that right? Uh, yeah, not if we can help it. Can you hear me, Tom? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear you now, okay. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Not if we can help it. He is not going to be our senator. But um, even this morning, the uh, first thing on my feed is our Senate Pro Tem, Del Mar, saying that uh, this girl who is now speaking up should be prosecuted for never saying anything. And Jim Ziegler, he's, he's the one going with Marion Joseph. 
But this goes back, in my personal opinion, to a cultural thing, that men have a right to sex. This thing of teaching young boys to go out and get some to see what it means to be a man is, in my personal opinion, the root of the problem. And any time there is a sexual encounter, if both parties are not willing, it is a sexual assault. It is rape. And these things were happening, you know, during a period of time in which we did not get the Equal Rights Amendment passed. We got a sexual harassment. And still haven't. I know, we still haven't. I'm female, I know. <laughs> but we yeah. got a sexual assault law passed. Sexual, uh, uh. you cannot just go in and do this. And people forget that law still exists. It's still on the books. And when I first started working as a married woman, a young married woman, a mother, I was pushed into a closet. And when I complained, I was, you know, criticized. And I put a stop to it and shoved my way out of the closet. Then later on, when I got on with the, with the state, I ran into the same thing. And yeah. I turned around to the married man who was assaulting a married woman on my shift, and I said, what do you think you're doing? And he said, oh, fresh meat. And I said, you touch me, and you're going to pick yourself up off the floor. I was immediately labeled as uncooperative, and it affected right. my job performance forever. Because well, and that's, that's the play. problem, Norma. You, you, yes. were, you were an employee. I... This attitude, if, if, it's always if I could t- fault. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, and 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 beyond that, I I've I've watched this in the business world with my wife for for forty five years now, forty six years tomorrow. Um, in uh, Louise and I have started seven businesses, five pretty successful businesses in the years that we've been married, and usually I'm the kind of entrepreneur type, you know, ADD salesman, whatever. I, I, I get the thing going. She's a very competent manager. She runs this show. She handles all the finances. She handles all the contracts. She handles everything for this show. Um, I'm the trained monkey who shows up on TV and or radio or whatever and just does it. And, and I remember when we, when, we, uh, when we started a travel agency in the 1980s in Atlanta, Georgia, and one time a salesman came in uh, selling copy machines and Louise met him at the door. And this was like right in front of everybody. And, and she's like, uh, you know, what do you, what do you want? And he says, well, hello, little lady. I need to talk to the owner. And, and she's like, well, I'm the owner. And he's like, and he's like, well, honey, I got something for you. And she's like, you call me honey again and you're going to pick yourself up off the floor um, or words to that effect. And just over and over and over again, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, she came home and told me, and in fact, I, you know, I took a year off during that, uh, it wasn't a year off, I was writing, but, um, and she was running that business and how many times she'd come home and tell me about similar stories. I mean, it was just like, that was normal in the South. That's how men talk to women. That's how, you know, she wasn't being assaulted, but she was being verbally, um, uh, what would you call it? Disrespected. Verbally assaulted, actually. And until this attitude changes, you know, you have, like I said, this is your wife. What about your daughter, your sister, your mom, yeah. your, your granddaughter? How many more generations are going to put up with this? And it was always yeah. much worse for the young black women that I worked with. They had finally gotten themselves a decent job with a continuous, consistent paycheck. And to keep that job, yes. they had to keep their mouths shut. And, you know, it's... I, like you said, this attitude that men own sex, they don't. No man owns sex. And you cannot have sex without permission. And trying to teach that to this, men 
in the South is impossible. This is going to require a major change, Norma. I mean, we're going to have to reject virtually the entire Bible, right? I mean, you know, they didn't even bother to track the lineage, you know, the lineage, lineage of Jesus in, uh, what is it, Luke? Or, no, it's in whichever book it's in. Um, it, uh, no, it's in Matthew. It's the beginning of Matthew. Um, it, the lineage of Jesus is all the men. Right. And, well, and all those yeah, men popped out of a woman. <laughs> please, like, please explain to me, where is the original Bible? Where are all the books that are not in today's Bible? Why isn't the world allowed to read? I, I suspect, Norma, they would be just as sexist as the rest of the Bible is. Old and New Testament. You know, you get to Paul telling women that they when they come to church, they should shut up and cover their heads. I mean, this is. This is built into our religions. This is built into our culture. It's been built into our business and, and governance. Um, how many companies have 50% women in their, in their executive ranks? Or for that matter, in their workforce. But, but in terms of power in their executive ranks, I, I doubt there's a single one in America. Norma, thanks for the call. It's always nice to hear from you. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Broadcasting live today from WCPT in Chicago. Stick around. Everyone's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that beets are one of the most important superfoods you can put in your body? They're loaded with important, an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to be, eat, eat a pile of beets every day? Not most people. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful concentrated superfood drink, Super Beets. Only Super Beets is made from crystals grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Super Beets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthy circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Superbeats for free, plus indicator strips to see how Superbeats is working for you. And free shipping. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, the website tomsbeats.com. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Uh, in just a second, uh, Larry Cohen is going to drop by. But first, I just wanted to tell you very, real quickly, there's a fascinating story over at Alabama.com, or AL.com is the website. I, I believe it's a newspaper in Alabama. And uh, the article is by J.D. Crow, C-R-O-W-E. And the headline is, Roy Moore and Doug Jones both have young girls in their past. And then this is this graphic, and it's a picture of Roy Moore, accused of sexual encounter with a 14-year-old in 1979, inappropriate conduct with three other teens. Doug Jones, he's the Democrat who's running against Roy Moore, he also has a story about four young girls in his past. It's the four young black girls who were killed in a church bombing, and he prosecuted and convicted their murderers. Talk about a contrast. That's amazing. That's just amazing. Larry Cohen is on the line. He's the president of Our Revolution, or the board chair, excuse me, of Our Revolution. 
Uh, don't want to step on Nina's toes here. And, right. and the Democracy Initiative and the past president of the Communication Workers of America, CWA, the website OurRevolution.com. And, uh, and uh, you can tweet uh, at OurRevolution. Hey, Larry, welcome back to the program. Yeah, great to be with you. Always great having you on. So give us a, a recap. I, it's been a few days since the election. I'm guessing you've had enough time to crunch numbers and figure out what's going to recount and what isn't and all that sort of thing. How did our revolution do in the last election? Uh, lots of great examples of grassroots uh, engagement and uh, cities in across Massachusetts getting a little feedback here. Is that a problem on your end or is it okay? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I will just have to live with it. Let's just go. Okay. Just try to, try to ignore it. (laughs) Sorry, we're, we're doing a remote and it's like, this is the first time we've used this new equipment. And so there's, there's some glitches here and there, but we're, we're figuring it out, but I'm sorry about the echo. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying. So Somerville, Massachusetts, Cambridge, Massachusetts, big, our revolution, grassroots groups running their own candidates. Mm-hmm. sweeping uh, the city councils in those towns, Worcester, uh, way up in the north in rural Massachusetts, uh, similar results. Uh, House of Delegates. Hey, Larry, Larry, if I can just real quickly re- interrupt you. Is the echo coming out of your computer? Do you have to turn off the volume on your computer and just talk on your phone? That, would, that should solve the problem. Okay, one second. Thank you. So you can keep talking while you're trying to do that if you want. You were you were saying okay, in Massachusetts you were doing well. Do yeah. we, we, don't, we don't want audio coming out of your computer. Just just talk on the phone. Yep. Um, actually, now we're not hearing it. Yep. So you're you're. So tell us again. Yep. Oh, great. Okay. So you, in Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts. Uh, so the key in our revolution are local groups. So there are big local groups in Somerville, Cambridge, Worcester, uh, and even rural Massachusetts out in the north and and west. And in many of these places, uh, they literally swept the city councils. And people, I I watched this 10-minute video in Somerville, uh, a couple hundred people celebrating Tuesday night, and all seven members of the new council showed up. And, you know, this is what this is really about, is if people can see that they can actually elect their own and that those people are then accountable back to the group. Uh, It's a whole different story than just, you know, we're working for, you know, even a Doug Jones, who that's a no brainer, but, but it's very different if there's accountability going in both directions, not just how do we endorse good candidates. That's also true in a number of those house of delegate victories in Virginia. Those are retail politics, small enough, uh, jurisdictions that um, people that never were given a chance won. You know, the headline story is, you know, the Democrats coming close to taking control of the House of Delegates for the first time in years. But the background story is genuinely progressive candidates winning with grassroots action, you know, phone calling, texting, door knocking, uh, and uh, very exciting to me. Yeah. It sounds like it. So uh, it, it seemed to me, I mean, looking at the election results on Wednesday and talking about them on the air here, it was a great day for, for people of color. It was a great day for women. It was a, a great day for some trans candidates as well. Um, diversity was winning uh, broadly across the country. A, a fellow yesterday on the panel that I was on here in Chicago said he always thought of the Democratic Party as basically three buckets or three three uh, areas, uh, the rights of working people, the the environment, and civil rights. 
And, uh, you know, civil rights certainly seemed to do very well during the election. How did the how did the rights of working people and the environment do? Well, I think we have a long way to go on those counts. Uh, The Democratic Democratic winner in uh, Virginia is not great on those counts, frankly. Uh, But our folks supported him much as they seem seemingly like to say we didn't do anything. We actually helped turn out thousands of extra voters for Northam. Northam has taken fossil fuel money, money uh, supported the pipeline cutting across Virginia, uh, you know, announced last week he didn't support sanctuary. But, you know, when it comes to voting, people are smart enough to figure out uh, a vote for the better candidate, which Northam clearly was. Sure. And, and peop- down people will take the bad with the good if they know that the good is is overwhelmingly yeah. good. So people like Lee Carter, who ran as a Democratic Socialist, and our folks, DSA, Democratic Social America, turned out literally dozens and dozens of volunteers for him. He had a record turnout. That obviously helped Northam win, and, uh, uh, but he won as well. So I think it's still the case that big money prevails uh, in our country in, in big elections, like at the governor's level, but that at the grassroots level, um, we're beginning to build uh, a different kind of political leadership including different leadership in the Democratic Party down at the county level and in about 10 states. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that was amazing to me, yesterday, yesterday I, I'm in Chicago. I'm doing the show today from, from our, our Chicago affiliate, WCPT, and, and many thanks to them for this. Uh, but the day before, yesterday, we did a, a panel from a, a union hall or a, a facility that was owned by one of the local unions and had a bunch of union guys on. And uh, there was... You know, this this broad well, just a, a broad discussion of labor issues. And I'm, I'm not so much hearing that in the in the general news. I mean, why is it that labor issues are almost never discussed in the news? So I think it's a number of things uh, and, and, a, and, a, and a critical story in terms of how working people, how we articulate, you know, our needs and, and, and put those into political terms. I mean, again, if you had been in Somerville, Massachusetts, uh, Tuesday night, uh, the candidates that, were, that won and their speeches was totally working class, uh, you know, both mm-hmm. immigrant and, 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 and folks who were born here um, and, and black and white, but, um, but it was in those terms. And again, Lee Carter was in those terms. But the, the role that money plays literally obscures it. So even groups like Emily's List never mention working class. You know, their big donors don't even like that terminology. Uh, we, we have a struggle in, in terms of defining the Democratic Party, if that's the way we're doing the work, uh, in a way that, um, that has any focus whatsoever on working class people. There's a much bigger preference for identity politics. Uh, what we try to do in our revolution is link the two. To talk about working class people, yep. black, brown, and white, straight or gay, uh, or trans for that matter. One of our key candidates won a trans uh, woman of the city council of Minneapolis. Uh, Keith Ellison's son, Jeremiah, was also elected, who we endorsed. Um, but, you know, uh, at, at, at the level where you need to raise millions of dollars, it gets obscured. And I must say that, as, a, as you mentioned, as a union president for 10 years of a large union, uh, you know, we have to be much more aggressive about this. Uh, unions that are engaged politically, not to say it's about A versus B, but to fight for, you know, our families and to articulate what matters, jobs, 
and Medicare right. the for right all, to working people. college for all, so those kids who do go to college, decent job for every college graduate, uh, collective bargaining rights itself. Uh, the $15 there you go. Larry, win. we're running out of time here. It's a great list. Larry Cohen of OurRevolution.com. Thank you, Larry. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with uh, your calls and more of the news of the day here on Anything Goes Friday from Chicago. Right Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. It is our Anything Goes weekend. And Jill in Midway, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jill, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Um, well, I'm here today watching you again, and you make my mind race. But I'm going back to the beginning of the program when you were talking about patriarchy. And, of course, you just reintroduced this one about patriarchy and the Bible and how men have used that for centuries, well, thousands of years. Millennia put women in their place as chattel or whatever. Right. And uh, you go back to one of the very earliest stories of Adam and Eve and uh, how Eve was the cause of the fall of mankind. You notice that uh, the devil didn't go to the person that was going to be easy to tempt. The devil went to Eve and worked on her because she was going to be very difficult to tempt. And once he got her to come over, hmm. Adam fell, bam, just like that. So this whole thing of oh, well, women's <laughs> women are the cause. That's an interesting take on Adam and Eve. <laughs> I just I just have always liked that one myself. I know it's I know it's yeah. out there, but yeah. <laughs> I just when men use that as a, I just throw it right back at them. That's I've done it. But before. but the th- the thing the thing that the the serious thing about that though, Jill, is that that story, that Adam and Eve story, that's the beginning of the embedding. In addition to using male pronouns to describe the creator, that's the beginning of the embedding of patriarchy and male dominance into our religions and thus into our culture to say. And in fact, that's the basis of Christianity is that we are all sinners because we came out of a woman. We are all sinners because we came out of a woman and uh, who created the original sin. And therefore, the Catholic Church won't have women priests. Therefore, you will never see a woman pope. I mean, I mean, there, this is deeply embedded in our religion oh, and our I cultures. Know. And it was their way of controlling. It was a story that they could say, "Look how yes. evil women are." That that we can't yep. trust them. They, but if you take the same story and turn it just a little bit, hey, did the devil have to tempt? The te- devil had to go after the one that was yeah. going to be hard to fall. Yeah. There yeah. you go. I I like your interpretation. <laughs> I like your interpretation. Jill, i got to move along, but thank Yeah, thank you for that. It's great to hear from you. Bye-bye. Peter in Media, Pennsylvania. Hey, Peter, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thank you for taking my call. Hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, sure. Uh, I, 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 this was the first election in 25 years. I did not vote uh, Democrat, and um, we'll see if I do next election. But And I, I give the Democrats congratulations for winning uh, as many seats as they did this past week but, uh, but. before the, before they get they get uh, too excited and, and, and crow too loudly or too much let's remember uh, we have the the worst president ever in the history of the world that drove a lot of people out to the polls this time and uh that may not continue as bad as he's been, or 
uh, Republicans may come out and force in uh, 2018. And I think the conversation that you had with Ben uh, really highlighted an important, in fact, the, the most important critical issue for the Democrats when you were talking about Rahm Emanuel as a politician and then interjected, uh, but not as a leader. And I think vision uh, is absolutely critical, and it's not, it's not something that I'm seeing at the top of the ranks with the Democrats. I just don't see any I, I am seeing it, a, a lot of it, Peter. I get, I get what you're saying. I, I am seeing a lot of vision in the Congressional Progressive Caucus. I've gotten uh, three news releases just in the last two days from them about big press conferences that they're holding that the corporate media refuses to cover, uh, you know, dealing with some, you know, very, very consequential issues. The, the Congressional Pro- Progressive Caucus is, is doing great work. And and they are growing, and the number, of, uh, and I think it's the second largest caucus in in uh, Congress. So I'm not ready to give up. Peter, thank you for the call. Curtis in Spokane, Washington. Hey, Curtis, what's on your mind today? Afternoon, Tom. Uh, I have a real problem. You're uh, speaking with us that we want to go back to the Democratic Party. Uh, I skipped school at 18 to register to vote. Uh, I think my first vote was. Caucus, and I just have a real problem going back uh, to support them. Since I've uh, become a voter at 18, uh, we've gotten NAFTA, telecommunication deregulation, Wall Street deregulation, welfare gutted, private prisons, Patriot Act. Uh, it goes on and on. At their last DNC convention, uh, they refused to end fracking. They won't support Medicare for all. Uh, they, they prop up money in politics still. And so um, I don't know the advantage of going back to the Democratic Party at this point. Well, the Democratic Party is not perfect, Curtis, by any means, and and there are regressive elements in them and in it, and you have identified them, and and most of the and some of them, and most of those pieces of legislation were uh, supported by Democrats as well as Republicans. Number one, I would say that this was the result of the Democratic Leadership Council, the whole Harold Ford Jr. and Al Fromm thing that was started in um, 1987 or 88. And that basically became the animating force of the Democratic Party through the Clinton years. And, and, and arguably, even though the DLC had dissolved, you know, the third way had replaced it uh, during the Obama years. But that, that said, and, and I think it's reasonable for us as Democrats to critique the Democratic Party. That said, you've still got a political party there that is wide open to, the, to anybody, in the, any citizen of the United States who wants to become a part of it. And so if you're unhappy with the Democratic Party, if you were to go to the uh, Democratic Socialists or to the Greens or, or, you know, whatever, any party that actually the Greens would be a better example because the, the, the Democratic Socialists very often collaborate and cooperate with Democrats. But the, the Green Party doesn't. If you go there, you're just, mm-hmm. you know, wasting your vote. You're, you're wasting your time and energy. That party had some, okay. some pretty good mojo when Ralph Nader was running it, but it's been eviscerated in the last decade. There is not an alternative. So, Curtis, my, my question to you is, if you're concerned about the fate and future of the Democratic Party, why are you not a precinct committee person there in Spokane? Well, th- this is my thing. I Okay, so... You just had Tom. Perrin you could on. change it. I had three yesterday. Yesterday, hang on just a second, Curtis. Yesterday, I had about fifty between fifty and hundred people. I'm lousy at crowd sizes, but you know, fewer than a hundred people here in Chicago that, that were the studio audience for our, for our gig. It was all the, the hall would hold, and three of them came up to me and said, "I've become a precinct committee person because I learned about it on your show." And they are taking over and transforming the Democratic Party. You t- you can too, Curtis. 
Okay, um, I, I realize that. I guess I, I don't feel as powerful as what you believe I am. Um, as I go on here now, I'm fighting Tom Perez. You are. He comes onto your show just the other day, and he doesn't, he doesn't tell me what they stand for. And I wrote down some of the things he said. He says things like uh, uh, represent our values, uh, outreach in every zip code, put opportunity on the ballot. That means nothing to me. If they really wanted to get the votes, if they were sincere in what they wanted to do, and if I believed that what they said, they would, they would say, guess what? The majority of our voters support these issues on Medicare for all, $15 minimum yeah. wage. Curtis, uh, Curtis, I agree with you. I'm sorry, we're hitting a break here. I agree with you, and you're really great at messaging. I'm really impressed. Please take over the Democratic Party in Spokane, Washington. And, and, and give me a call when you've done it. You can do it, Curtis. You can do it. We'll be back. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Back with more of your calls right after this. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X-Chair want you to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X-Chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com. And be sure to use T-H-O-M as the promo code for your $100 discount. Rob, this is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you live from Chicago. And in the studio with me is Ben Jarofsky. He is the, uh, he's the guy who follows me here on that WCBT. Is correct. And uh, so Ben, tell us about yourself. All right. Well, first of all, Tom. I love your voice, by the way. I wish oh, I had yeah. your voice. All right, well, <laughs> what a radio voice. Switch for a day there. Uh, so anyway, I do the show that runs in Chicago from 2 to 5 Chicago time. Mm. Uh, on WCPT 820 AM, and it's a local show. So I delve a lot into Chicago politics, which is my utter obsession. Mm. I could talk about Chicago politics all day. Tom, I'm going to restrain myself for your show here. Uh, and uh, But we also do some Trump talk. You can't avoid Trump talk uh, in talk sure. radio. And for about 452 years, I've been a political columnist for the Chicago Reader newspaper mm. uh, here in Chicago. Yeah. Where I uh, I have some of your articles here. Yeah, some of my yeah. recent ones. Where I also early. indulge my obsession with Chicago politics. So, yeah. uh, that's that's. So let's talk Chicago politics. I mean, it's it's in in many ways meta to national politics, Absolutely. and and particularly, for example, with Amazon. I mean, this I remember back, geez, it must have been eight or ten years ago, uh, Boeing was shopping for a new headquarters. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And, and they had all these cities. I think Chicago was one of them. They had all these cities competing with each other, and, like, you know, Alabama was going to offer them $500 million, and Connecticut was going to offer them $600 million, and all this kind of stuff. 
And and I had Bernie Sanders on the show and I said, Bernie, what do you think of this? And he says, it's criminal. It's destructive. It's 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 corporations ripping off state after state. And I said, what do you do about it? And he said, we should pass a law that says that any state that has either the state government does this or any municipality or county in the state does this. Any state that participates in one of these competitions to move a business from one state to another loses all their federal highway funds. Whoa. Okay, Bernie. <laughs> and it's like, that would, yeah, that would solve a huge yeah, problem. Yeah, that would solve. Because it's a total yeah, race man. to the bottom. So anyhow, what's the deal with well, Amazon Well, first of Chicago? all, I doubt very much they'll ever pass that legislation, but I welcome it. I never heard of that anecdote before. Uh, so here, okay, by the way, Chicago was the quote-unquote winner of that Boeing uh, sweepstakes back in, I can't remember, it was uh, Tom was so long ago. I yeah. can't remember. I think it was the early O's, but whatever. Don't quote me, people. Uh, and uh, so Boeing had, is headquartered in Chicago, so the headquarters is in Chicago, uh, not the uh, the jobs. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, it was uh, viewed as a great triumph for Chicago by corporate and civic Chicago and political Chicago because it put Chicago on the map as a headquarters town. Now, I've always felt, as my worldview, is that that doesn't really help anybody in Chicago who has to pay the bills to fund the government, to fund the schools, to, f- to clean the streets, to police the streets, et cetera, et cetera. That's just something like bragging rights right. that the, the corporate and civic community has. But that is sort of the mindset that drives these things, Tom, not just in Chicago, of course, uh, but nationwide. I'm obsessed with the Chicago element to it. And uh, so since then, since Boeing, Chicago went through a period of about 10 years where they were throwing public dollars to something called the TIF fund, which I won't uh, bore your, your listeners with that. Uh, explanation of that, but they've been throwing uh, millions and millions of dollars at various corporations to move their headquarters here. And Amazon is sort of uh, an extension of this, like on steroids, because at the moment, Chicago is uh, one of over 200 states or cities uh, that are wooing um, Amazon, trying to uh, bribe them into coming to their uh, city with a second headquarters. And at the moment, and I say at the moment because it's a bidding war, Chicago's and the state of Illinois' offer is at $2.25 billion. Whoa. And that's just at the moment because, as I said, the way Amazon has uh, staged this, they, they're accepting all the offers. Uh, they're going through the proposals, and then they're going to have the uh, whittle it down to, I think, I don't know, maybe say five, and then hmm. another round of negotiations, and then they'll whittle it down to two. and then. Right. Uh, so anyway, so that's, uh, yeah, Bernie was absolutely right. It's madness. Yeah. So do you, wow, this is incredible. So what is, is there any kind of groundswell support for doing it or not? Doing it? I mean, it's, it's kind of a catch 22 or I mean, that's the wrong metaphor, but, or cliche, uh, because on the one hand, if you get a big company coming into town, they're yeah. bringing jobs, they're bringing, you know, money, they're bringing, and, and those jobs echo out, right? People, people uh, go to work for Amazon, you know, they, 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 uh, they hire 20,000 people. Those people are then going to eat lunch at local restaurants, and the restaurants are going to do better. They're going to buy clothes. Yeah. So there's a, there's an upside to this. But the downside is that you're handing two and a quarter billion dollars to this corporation to bring these jobs to town. And, you know, has anybody done the math on, on mm-hmm. how long it takes for that to pay out? I, I, you know, I know that there was a, a recent one, I'm, I think it was in Indiana, that that was something like a seventy year, you know, seventy years before yeah. before the state would actually make a penny on it. Uh, okay, you, there's you've asked about two great questions right there. First of all, in terms of the math, uh, there there's as far as I know, nobody's uh, done any kind of uh, 
anything resembling an objective analysis. Shouldn't that be step one? Yeah, but that would be step one. You know, <laughs> yeah, you should be mayor of Chicago. You're already making more sense than the last two we've had. Uh, so there's usually no objective analysis. There's just press release statements put out by the mayor or his backers or the civic community. Uh, and then uh, the second point is their groundswell of support. Uh, what we have here in Chicago. Uh, and I'm sure it's the same elsewhere, but I'm just going to concentrate Chicago. It's something like, I, I would call it like manufactured consent, uh, to use another phrase, but I think there's Noam Chomsky. Anyway, the, the notion that you, you manufacture a groundswell of support. Right. Uh, so the leading mainstream newspapers, they're part of the chorus. Say, oh my God, this is great. This is really going to help Chicago. The civic community is on board. Uh, the corporate community is on board. The mayor... Uh, Mayor Rahm Emanuel has a list of 600 people uh, who are welcoming Amazon, part of the team to bring Amazon to Chicago. And they're all part of corporate Chicago. And so it's just like the usual suspects are dragged out, people who are thriving uh, in the city. And they're supposed to represent like the entire city of Chicago as though everybody was aboard. We went through the same thing, Tom, uh, about seven years ago or eight years ago when we were supposedly all aboard to get the Olympics to come to town, the 2016 Olympics that went to Brazil. Big hype about how Chicago wanted the Olympics. And the reality is the overwhelming majority of people in Chicago did not want the Olympics. Polls showed this. If they had to pay for it, we, of course you have to pay for it. No, someone's got to pay for the Olympics. Well, and that's the whole point, whether it's the Olympics or whether it's Amazon. It, yes, there, there's actually, it's truth. You know, everything that you just said is, is actually true. It's going, to bring, it's going to bring business. It's going to, you know, stimulate the economy. It's going to do a lot of good things. But the question is just one of simple math. I mean, if, if Amazon is bringing 50 bucks to town and we're paying them $100 to do it, we just got screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah abs you're absolutely correct. And, and they don't want you to do the math. This is so classic Chicago. They just, they just, just go along with it, people. Just we'll be, we'll be looking out for you. We'll be watching. But it might be a good deal, Ben. Uh, yeah, might. I, I remember... Um, <laughs> Somebody might. should do the friggin' math. I, I, mean. I, I remember, uh, if I could go way back, when, just when you heard you saying that, Tom, an echo back to me. Uh, David Letterman was inter interviewing Maureen Dowd. I remember this. It's funny, when you said that, it just triggered this. This was, I forget when, how many years ago. It was at the start, at the start of the Iraqi war, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, Maureen Dowd was, she's a columnist for the New York Times people, right. uh, and she was a critical of the, uh, the Iraqi war. This is the early days. Sure. And uh, she was laying out her arguments. And David Letterman, playing devil's advocate, she goes, you know, there's a possibility that you're wrong. He said that to her. Yeah. And he was just being devil's advocate. Have sure. you considered that? Right. And I, I really can't even remember her response other than I really doubt that I'm wrong. Right. And so I say this to you. Yes, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. This could be a, a great thing for Chicago. It could result in taxes falling because Amazon's paying so much money. It could result in our city blooming. Except they're getting a tax abatement. Yeah, man. Except we all know it's not going to be that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's, you know, I'm just like, I'm a big fan of math. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> it's like You're not going to get any math, uh, real math I, out I, of these yeah, guys. You would think that the Emanuel administration, if they believe this, if they think this is real, that they would, they would crunch the numbers and put it in the front page of the paper. No, because that's where you're... You're living in the land of, you're living in the land of logic, and we live in the land of the illogic. So yeah, I think that's go. the answer. Okay, we're we're talking with Ben Jarofsky. Yes, sir. Saying it right, Ben Jarofsky, who is uh, a talent on WCPT Chicago AM eight twenty here in, uh, from two to five every day, and uh, uh, a prolific writer in, in the Chicago uh, 
news scene. We'll be right this back with that. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be right back with more of Ben. Stick around. Welcome back. Tom Harbin, Ben Jarafsky here with us, with you. I'm still saying it okay? Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> She's doing fine, man. Listen, Tom, I've been hearing that name mispronounced uh, or pronounced a very variety of ways since kindergarten, okay? Yeah, so imagine. I'm pretty much used. By the way, I just have to say one thing. I've been hearing Tom Hartman for years. And to be in the studio is such a kick to hear that beat commercial, man. I've been hearing that beat. Oh, the Super Beats. Yeah, Super Beats. You know, I actually use (laughs) Super Beats. I I, I drink this stuff almost every day and and, uh, take off the weekends because I keep it at the studio. But I I drink it during the show. And what I've noticed, we had the guy who owns the company on. And beets actually contain the precursor to nitric oxide. And it's metabolized by the bacteria in your mouth into nitric oxide. Which, uh-huh. which your body needs to relax your arteries and, and veins, which lowers blood pressure. Right, so it's a natural and way to do it. it. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, it's a nutrient that we're all supposed like? to have. It tastes like beets. Okay. <laughs> it's, well, they've got, it's got a little stevia <laughs> in it. Hence the name. You know, it's got a little stevia in it, which is the, the natural sweetener, you know, the plant-based uh, sweetener. I might have to try sugar. it. I'm not a big beet fan, but if it does lower your blood pressure, it's a good way of chilling out. So. It's, it's good stuff. I, you know, I just... But just seeing you say that, I just got such a kick out of that, man. <laughs> oh, he's, I just have to he's reading a line out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, as, as Super Beats is, is a pretty, pretty good product. Okay, so we, we, I think we've kind of uh, exhausted the Amazon topic. I, I, have, oh, I could talk about it for another hour if you want, but <laughs> we can move on to anything yeah, you want I, to talk I, about. I think we've rounded it out. And <laughs> I just say to our, to our callers who are on hold, uh, yeah, I'll be picking up your calls at the bottom of the hour. Ben's got to go do show prep for his show after mine. But, um, but I want to, you know, I've got you here, and it's just yeah. a great opportunity. Um, Chicago politics, uh, Rahm Emanuel, neoliberalism versus actual liberalism versus conservatism. What do these labels mean uh, in Chicago? What do they mean with regard to Rahm Emanuel? Um, he always seemed to me like, you know, kind of a I can get things done guy, take names and kick ass guy. But at the same time, you know, at least when he was Clinton's chief of staff, my sense was that he was a little closer to the business community than I felt comfortable with. But I, you know, I don't know the guy. I've never met him. I've only watched him from afar, and I don't live in Chicago. What's what's, all right, what's well, the story? All right, here's the situation with Mayor Rahm Emanuel. And uh, this, uh, this is important for a national audience to hear this because uh, Mayor Rahm likes to, uh, how do I put this, showcase himself uh, in a certain way when he goes on the road. I've heard his speeches that he's given on the road, and it's it's like a different act than it is in Chicago, and he's viewed differently in Chicago than he is on the road. The reality about uh, Rahm Emanuel is uh, that he is essentially, as I put it, uh, sort of a Mitt Romney Republican in terms of his worldview, in terms of how the economy works, in terms of uh, his attitudes toward progressive taxation, which is a key issue here in the state of Illinois and Chicago. We are struggling to figure out how to pay for government. We do not quite understand uh, how we're going to find the money to pay for our schools, to pay for police, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he before. privatized the the parking meters. I mean, well, that didn't was that daily. help everything? Yeah, right. Oh, that it's, was daily. Yeah, it That's was right. daily. So. And, well, he, he um, uh, essentially— I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, no, I know you are. And he, <laughs> he, uh, he renegotiated the deal, so in some ways it could be argued that it's even worse than it was under daily, in, oh in that it's harder to get rid of it now because he renegotiated and had it essentially ratified again. So— um, so he does not want to alienate himself from a corporate community here in Chicago or the corporate community throughout the country that is a key part of his funding base that, don- uh, that donates monies to his campaigns. And this, in this way, 
Uh, he is really following the the model set up by the Clintons in the 90s. He's very much a creature of the Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton uh, model. Oh, he was part of their administration. That is correct. That makes perfect and, sense. Yeah, he was the fundraiser mm-hmm. for the Clintons in 91 during their campaign in 92. Okay. Uh, and then he went to the White House. And so he has always traditionally been behind the the groundswell on the on the Democratic uh, when I say behind I mean he's not been at the front line so for instance the Clintons in the 90s were not as you know advocates of gay rights or gay marriage uh, now you hear Rom he's like oh thank goodness we have gay marriage well, but isn't that okay I mean we all grow and learn and things like that uh, is that you know that's an interesting thing that ever, evolution <laughs> that I when I think about growing and evolving as human species I, I think about Barack Obama on this one particular issue where in the 90s, he was for gay marriage, and he was a state senator. He was for gay marriage. Right. Then when he was running uh, uh, for uh, senator statewide, and he was not just dealing with people in the Hyde Park liberal community, he was against gay marriage. So is that an evolution of his political position or a devolution? I'm not quite sure. I don't sure. think it's either one. I think it's a, it's a politician doing what politicians do, which arguably is the right thing, which is you do what the people who are, you are representing want you to do. So then on the other hand, if you're a gay person looking for the rights of gay marriage, you cannot expect a, a Rahm Emanuel or a Barack Obama to be leading your charge. It's almost as though this is what's happening in the Democratic Party. It's the people at the, at the bottom, like, pushing the party, trying to push the party in a direction that they want the party to go to, the party resisting because they're cautious. You could call it pragmatic, but cautious is the word I would use because they don't want... Well, they're institutional, too. Yes, they're they're institutional, and they're not as... Uh, Institutions quick move slowly. They move, well, that's... Yeah, or they move back. In the case of Barack Obama, he was for something, and then he was against it, and he was for it. And so Mayor Rahm is very much like that. He's, I say he's institutional, but he's sort of, he's not going to be leading the charge for issues that progressives believe in. Remarkable. Ben, uh, how do you introduce yourself on the radio? Ben Jarofsky, WCPT, 820 AM. And people can listen to you on the internet? That is correct, 820 AM. Uh, it, uh, we have a SoundCloud, you can listen to yeah, it there. And and download dot it. com, and, and it's also on TuneIn Radio. That is correct. Ben Jarofsky with WCPT. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Tom. Great having you with us. We'll be right back. To the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. And we'll be back with your calls in just a minute. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you live from WCPT in Chicago and Paul in Woodenville, Washington, listening on WCPT820.com. Hey, Paul, what's up? Hey, Tom. Uh, I wanted to talk about the tax uh, plan. It's something in particular that Mitch McConnell said, that the $1.7 trillion deficit would be a race in 10 years if we even just got four-tenths of 1% growth. I love it when people spill out numbers like that because you can tell on the face of that that that's false. It's false Friday, and here's why. Hi, Ben. <laughs> You're there at WCBT. Okay. Here's why. You can tell Go that 4% of $18.5 trillion is $740 billion. So four-tenths of that is $74 billion. Now, we got about $1.7 
trillion dollar hole. But remember, the government doesn't get the seventy four billion. They only get the taxes on the seventy four billion. This is on four tenths. Right? And I calculated right. that even if they recovered all of the taxes on that at thirty nine point six percent, but they're not, they're cutting those, they'd only be getting thirty billion back a year. This is the government. So if you think of it this way, thirty billion has to fill up a one point seven trillion dollar hole, my calculations it takes fifty six years. 56 years. So you can look at it this way. Here's another way to think of that four-tenths. Whatever your economic growth was in any given year, for the next 56 years, you can take four-tenths off that. Got 4% economic growth? Sorry, you only got 3.6. In a recession, you only got 2.4? Sorry, you only got 2, because you have to lop off that 4% to fill up that hole that they're digging. And here's another point. We've had tax cuts in the past. They're essentially adding... 10% 10% to the national debt, right? About yep. 10%. And we've had tax cuts before. Has it ever eliminated 10% of the national debt? I don't think so. No. It keeps growing. No. Every, every tax cut in the past has exploded the debt, and every tax increase in the past has increased economic activity and reduced the debt, um, both through direct taxation and through an, inc- an increase in economic activity. Those are all good things. But, Paul, yeah. boy, that's amazing. You nailed it. Farce. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, I call it the Republican tax scam. I'm 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 very reluctant to call this, you know, uh, tax reform or ta- even a tax cut. This is a tax scam. It's it's, well, it's not going to be a tax I, cut for most people. If I can point out, it is aimed at creating red state winners and blue state losers in a number of ways. One of the ways is other than eliminating deductions that blue states often make when because they, they have higher taxes, they have a tax deduction for damaged property damage or damages occurred from hurricanes read texas and florida but not wildfires thank you california oregon and washington you lose oh amazing i had no idea that's incredible paul thank you for that You, you always bring something something illuminating to our program thank you very much peter in media pennsylvania hey peter what's on your mind today Hey, Tom, thank you for taking my call. Hopefully you can hear me okay. Um, sure. Uh, I, 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 this was the first election in 25 years. I did not vote uh, Democrat, and um, we'll see if I do next election. But, and I, I give the Democrats congratulations for winning uh, as many seats as they did this past week. But, uh, but. Before, the, before they get they get. Uh, too excited and, and, and crow too loudly or too much. Let's remember uh, we have the, the worst president ever in the history of the world that drove a lot of people out to the polls this time. And uh, that, that may not continue as bad as he's been, or uh, Republicans may come out and force in uh, 2018. And I think the conversation that you had with Ben uh, really highlighted an important, in fact, the, the most important critical issue for the Democrats when you were talking about Rahm Emanuel as a politician and then interjected, uh, but not as a leader. And I think vision uh, is absolutely critical, and it's not, it's not something that I'm seeing at the top of the ranks with the Democrats. I just don't see any 
I, I am seeing it a, a lot of it, Peter. I get I get what you're saying. I, I am seeing a lot of vision in the Congressional Progressive Caucus. I've gotten uh, three news releases just in the last two days from them about big press conferences that they're holding that the corporate media refuses to cover. Uh, you know, dealing with some you know very very consequential issues. The, the Congressional Pro- Progressive Caucus is is doing great work and and they are growing and the number of, uh, and i think it's the second largest caucus in in uh, congress so i'm not ready to give up peter thank you for the call <coughs> excuse me mike in milwaukee wisconsin hey mike what's up hey how you doing tom two related questions with the um the, the uh, merger with time warner and at&t that donald trump telling them to dump cnn or they're gonna go against it I just had a question regarding that. Is that will that be a monopoly? And also, uh, what about Ticketmaster? Isn't Ticketmaster a monopoly? I'm not sure, Mike. I'm not that familiar with Ticketmaster or their business model. But with regard to AT and T and Time Warner, um, you know, monopoly is a word that we we pretty much don't have monopolies anymore. But what we have are like duopolies, triopolies, quadopolies. You know, you've got. How many airlines that control the, you know, 90 percent of the airline business in the United States, four or five? How many food companies supply, you know, control more than 80 percent of the fast food in the United States? Probably four or five. How many drug companies are making drugs? Probably four or five. How many big insurance companies? Five or six. Um, You know, in every industry, what we've seen is massive consolidation. And this, this Time Warner and AT&T thing is is merging into the Internet space. And if they can pull this off and... Ajit Pai and, and, and Trump's buddies over at the FCC blow up net neutrality, it's going to suddenly become very, very profitable for these corporations that control the Internet access into your home because they will be able to censor what you say and they will be able to, to block websites that they don't like that you might want to visit. So there, there's high stakes here, real high stakes here. And, uh, you know, not, not just in this, but broadly, but in that as well. Anyhow, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks again to all the great folks at WCPT for making this uh, this trip possible and this this remote broadcast. Thank you for y- to you for being with us this week. We'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy requires you. It's not a spectator sport. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.